0: Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is David Silver, founder of The Sterling Group. So welcome to the show, David.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be with you.
0: And you are joining us from?
1: All the way up north in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: Yes. You started your firm back when the economic crisis was taking place in 2008 and 9. And mm-hmm. despite the crisis, somehow you made it to being rated as the number one high-end search firm. And that analysis mm-hmm. came from a Fortune 75 enterprise who compared you to 200 other firms. And, right. then, uh, and then on top of that, I mean, that's already impressive, right? But then you were also number one in terms of adding the most value to the recruiting process. So you went from starting a firm during a crisis to receiving those ratings and making it through. And you're talking to me today, so you're still making it. So tell us a little (laughs) bit first about how did you manage that during times of crisis to succeed the way you did?
1: It's a good question. And I think the bottom line, Birgit, is I consider my word to be My bond, people say that all the time, but I give my word and then I make sure that I keep it. I do whatever it takes to have me or my team keep our word and our promises to our clients. So that also includes giving my word to myself. And doing what I need to do to keep my word to myself. So when I started company, I was, we are going to succeed no matter what. Even if I fail, I'm going to keep going until I succeed. So I was fortunate in that when I started my company, I had been released from a non-compete from my previous firm. and. I was able to bring clients with me and uh, even in the face of the downturn, did my first deal within 30 days of starting my company.
0: Wow. And then I also happen to know that not only did you were you able to take some clients with you, but part of your success strategy is you actually hire people who have had a track record already <laughs> having succeeded, but also who have business experience. So they either will have owned their own search firm previously, or they will have worked as a leader in in, a, in another firm. How much do yeah. you think that type of experience has helped you succeed? Because, you know, there's uh, a million search firms out there, right? So there's something you do that, <laughs> that definitely is special.
1: Yeah, the barrier to entry for the search business is low, right? Mm-hmm. You need a, a computer and a phone. It's a, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I took a collaborative model, meaning that I went after seasoned, successful recruiters who know what it is to be accountable. So backing up to what I said about uh, honoring and being your word, Mm -hmm. I looked for not just a successful track record in recruiting. I looked for people where that was a fundamental value for them. Mm -hmm. So people who were willing to make big promises and keep them, not just put their time in, not just do their best, but make a promise and then organize themselves and organize their life to keep their promise that was number one and People who've been business owners, people who knew what it was to be the one, not just a member of a team or an organization, but people who knew what it was to, again, it's a cliche, but to have the buck stop here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I looked for uh, when uh, when bringing people onto the team. It's still Very what good. I look for.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you know how to do your the best type of recruiting for yourself, too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> so, David, right. it isn't usual right. to, to be let out of a non-compete. Mm-hmm. How did that happen with you?
1: Yeah, I was working with a publicly traded global search firm called Hudson, and Hudson had been put together through 67 different acquisitions, Okay, mm-hmm. but 67 different business models, 67 different IT systems, 67 different compensation systems, and they never really succeeded in integrating all 67 companies. So The downturn hit. They had just come off a failed back-end integration trying to implement PeopleSoft, and it had failed. And so, honestly, they were looking to get out of certain businesses. Mm -hmm. And I was leading the industrial marketing practice, and uh, that was one of the practices. They they got out of everything except for legal and IT. Mm -hmm. So not only was I released from the non-compete, I was able to take the searches that I was working on and take them with me. I was also able to take my database with me. So, yeah, that's
0: very unusual. Having yeah. set, So that's definitely an advantage. However, I, again, back to crisis, you started it when there was the economic crisis. And then on top of that, I mean, it's interesting that then you picked up an industry that clearly at some level they didn't think was easy right. to make money <laughs> in or to make it work and you made it work. So, I yeah. mean, it sounds phenomenal. So, so then how how does someone like you look and see, okay, how can I get better as a leader? Or was there a turning point for you where you're like, oh, I need to lead people differently? And what was that?
1: Yeah. I started just doing it myself. Right. And then I got more business than I could handle by myself, right? And our quality started to slip because I was stretched too thin. So, I only brought other people in because I needed to at first. <laughs> yes, right?
0: to keep yeah. your word. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to keep my standard. Yeah. Right? So,
0: so David, how does someone like you that has succeeded so much ever realize they had any kind of blind spot in terms of leading other people?
1: Yeah. So, recognizing I had a blind Spot, I had to learn the hard way. Okay. And Mm -hmm. the first person I hired always didn't see things the same way that I did. Right. So I'm sure that's common for people because nobody sees things the exact same way that you do. Right. So I am very good at collaborating. I'm open minded. I'm open to the contribution of others. I micromanage people at all. I hire adults and let them do their thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But What started to happen is people working for me wouldn't see what a client was trying to do in the same way that I would, so they misinterpreted the client's actions and thought that my clients were not acting in good faith when the clients were. Mm -hmm. So, okay, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, then the people on my team started to become cynical either about the projects that they were working on or about that client. And I didn't recognize the damage and the danger of that creeping small cynicism at first because it's kind of like a virus or cancer or whatever. If if that cynicism isn't nailed, if it isn't addressed, it grows and then find more of it becomes (laughs) self-fulfilling. So what seemed like a small problem or a personality quirk ended up being a business problem.
0: Ah, so that's, uh, so it almost cost you a client and that's how you discovered.
1: Yeah, very much so. It caused more work for me. Like you said, almost cost me a client or a division of a a large client and ended up being more work for me because I had a then fix it and do repair work rather than having addressed it right up front.
0: What would you do different now having discovered that? Or what have you been doing different?
1: Yeah, I don't tolerate cynicism. Okay. So you catch it
0: early and stop it quick. (laughs)
1: Exactly. At first I needed this person, right? Mm -hmm. I was swamped. The hell am I gonna do? Right. All of that was a mistake. So now I refuse to tolerate cynicism. it's not just business results, but the danger it is to our culture.
0: Absolutely. Wow. So David, as we start to wrap up the show, I mean that's a big point, including Mm -hmm. something that you just said, which very other leaders have been dealing with, which is even when they do see something that starts to concern them, they don't want to necessarily deal with it because they can't imagine what it would be like without the person. So it's kind of like letting the person go would be worse than confronting the issues. What would you say to someone who's concerned about letting someone go that might have a a situation like you did?
1: Yeah. First of all, before just letting the person go, I bring it up straightforwardly. Take it from something that's going on in the background and bring it right to the foreground. Put it in the light of day and talk about it, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let them know it's not something that'll be tolerated. Yeah. Now, uh, they can either straighten themselves out or I love working with people so that they see a clear pathway to the success of any project, right? mm-hmm. You know, and that's part of my job is work with them until they can see a, a clear, practical, not conceptual, but you can see it, right? Mm-hmm. Pathway to fulfilling a project, right? And so I love working with people to do that, but if I'm doing that and they still don't see it or they won't see it or they refuse to see it, That's a a deal killer. Yeah, That's a deal killer. And okay, maybe it is the client, right? Maybe we should walk away from that client, but let's have it in the light of day. And if we can align on it, better to part. There's no scarcity of other people out there. There really aren't.
0: Yeah, especially not right now, but uh, to your point, so address it rather than avoid it and then let the process I guess, show you whether they need to be let go or if they'll step up and align. Is that? Yep. Okay, very good. Wow. Well, I certainly appreciate your openness with this because I know you know from helping lots of clients that you're not the only one who
1: deals (laughs) with
0: this, right? And sometimes as leaders, we only see what we want to see. So anyway.
1: And and it's better for the other person as well. Have them be in a situation where they're going to win.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, do you want to say something more about that? Yeah,
1: this is maybe, Bad, but if they're not going to, if they're cynical about it, right, and that cynicism Mm -hmm. becomes self fulfilling, Mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to win. So have them get out of that situation. Have them go to another situation where they are going to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a spot for all of us somewhere.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, yes, again, give your word and keep it and do what it takes to keep your word. Including if cynicism starts to creep in, stamp it out.
0: Yeah. Well, so that is a great way to <laughs> to wrap up the show. And if someone wants to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah.
1: David.silver at Sterling Group US. Dot com.
0: Very good. And I will also put that in the link. And David, thank you again for your
1: openness. <laughs> thank you very much, Birgit. It's, it's good to be with you again.
0: And thank you, listeners, for continuing to lead during these times of crisis when your leadership is critical and you're likely to get critically judged. So with gratitude, I wrap up today's CEO of Blindspot Show.